0: God, thank you so much uh, for the Bible. I thank you that it is trustworthy and true. I thank you, Lord God, that uh, you use it to give us uh, the revelation of how you've dealt with people throughout the ages. And most importantly, you give us revelation of your son, Jesus Christ. Uh, We thank you that we can come aside to read it. And I pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would help us to understand it. And I also pray, Father God, that By your spirit, uh, you would give me the grace to proclaim your word to your people as we are gathered here uh, in this place uh, to bring glory and honor and praise to your name. Uh, So let your spirit fall on me. We love you, and we praise you, and we worship you this day, and we thank you for this time. We pray it all in Christ's name, amen. And when the time came for their purification, this is the Jesus and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. When we all love the uh, Christmas season... I I must admit, a lot of times I'm a bit like Scrooge in myself. You know, I I think about Christmas coming, and I'm a humbug, you know. It's it's Christmas, you know, because when I was in the States, uh, what Christmas meant a lot of times was everybody rushing around to buy presents that people didn't need, spending money that you didn't have uh, to uh, worship something other than Jesus, Uh, and giving Jesus a nod at some Christmas Eve service or something like that. And so it was really kind of a materialistic, and I I, I became rather jaded about it, I must admit. But uh, since I've been in the UK, I've mellowed a bit around this. I mean, going to one of the great Christmas Eve services at a place like St. Paul's Cathedral, you get caught up in the, the pomp and the splendor and the circumstance. And, you know, and that's the one thing that the, the Anglicans do that we uh, nonconformists don't do so well. They do pomp and circumstance quite well. You know so I'm happy to let them have it and happy to let them do it and everything. And you get caught up in there and, and uh, just being around and, and seeing a bit in the season and, and all of that. And, and it's kind of softened my attitude a bit, I think, toward Christmas, which is probably a good thing. You know At least I'm not saying, well, you know, let them decrease the surplus population or something like that, you know, like Scrooge did, uh, like Scrooge did himself. But, you know, when we get looking at all the things that happen around the Christmas season, uh, we look at all the beautiful decoration and, and all the things going on, and we get caught up in sometimes in the shopping, or we see the Advent wreaths like we have here, uh, or the wonderful decorations. I don't know if you've been around London, and several of the streets, including our own Hatton Garden over here, have decorations up, and they're rather beautiful and, and, and lovely to look at, And you you get caught up in it and you enjoy it and it it is quite pleasant. But it's easy then to forget how disruptive Christmas actually was and the coming of Jesus actually was. There's a, a mistaken notion, I think, amongst many people who are not Christians that somehow you know, that little baby lying in the manger, that, that Jesus that was there, that Jesus that was presented in the temple uh, after having been circumcised and uh, all, all along all the customs, and that somehow this little baby that, that we talk about the peace on the earth and goodwill toward men, and, and all those things are true, by the way, obviously, because it's in the Scripture, uh, but we look at that and we think of that and we sing the Christmas carols And we forget that Jesus came not only to bring that peace, but also to bring considerable disruption. And the first we really see of this is probably in the story of Simeon that we read here today. Now, Simeon was a very old man. He'd been hanging out in Jerusalem. He was very righteous and devout. He was going to the temple all the time. He was honoring the Lord, following the Lord with his life. The Holy Spirit of God was upon him. And God had promised him that he wouldn't die until he saw the consolation of Israel, until he saw the promised Messiah. That's what he was looking for. That's what he understood. He was looking for this Messiah. He was looking for the hope of Israel. Remember, Israel at this time had lost all of its former glory. It was an occupied territory of the Roman Empire. Uh, the Jews were beaten down, defeated, battered people. They still had their temple. They still had their sacrifices. But uh, uh, Judea was considered a, a, a rural backward backwater in terms of the Roman Empire. And the Jews were not highly regarded, they were not highly thought of, but every Jewish person remembered their story. Every Jewish person remembered the the glories of Moses and the glories of David and the glories of Solomon. Uh, they, They all remembered this time and they all longed for this time when there would be this Messiah who would come. And so Simeon was promised, he's going to see this consolation, he's going to see the encouragement that God is bringing to Israel, he's going to see the promised Messiah. So he's looking, he's looking, he's waiting, he's watching, and then the day comes, there's Mary and Joseph and Jesus there in the temple to make the sacrifice that was required by the law, and he comes in, and he sees the baby, and the Holy Spirit resting upon him says, hey Simeon, this is the one. He's the one that you've been waiting for. He's the one that you've been looking for. He's the one that you've been longing for. And Simeon does something that would have been really weird. I mean, we we get used to it. We read the scripture and we say, oh, okay, that's the Bible, uh, and that's okay. But we don't often realize how strange the Bible is. For those of you who have kids, imagine some guy, you're going to church, and some old guy... With bad breath, a bad hairdo, and raggedy clothes, and you got your new baby, and you're bringing your new baby into church to show off your baby, and this guy with bad breath, you know, kind of bald, uh, bad hairdo, you know, maybe he had a comb over or something—not like Trump, but you know, some kind of comb over. He's got some comb over going on. He's got some. This guy comes in and he says, "Oy ve," and he comes without your permission and grabs your baby and lifts him up to the Lord. I don't know about you, I probably would have decked the guy, right? You know, you say, hey, don't touch my kid. Boom! And you put him down. Because, you know, that's your instinct. But here's this guy, and he comes in, and he does this. This is what he does. He says, okay, God, now I can die. I mean, what a weird thing to say. Now I can die. Now I can go, I, I can depart, and I can be at peace. Because I have seen your salvation. I've seen your salvation. And this is, this is part of the good news that we have. We love to share this. Jesus is the salvation of the world. Jesus is God's provision for salvation. We see that very clearly here. Simeon declares it, and he says, hey, this, this salvation that I see here, this one that I'm holding in my hands, he is going to be the glory for your people Israel. This is the one, he's saying, who is going to be the fulfillment of every promise for the Messiah for Israel. Israel's call and destiny, as our friend Avi has reminded us in his visit here, uh, this Jews for Jesus representative, as he's reminded us, Israel's calling and destiny is to show forth the glory of God to the nations so that the nations will come and follow God. Will come be God followers, Jesus followers, and so Simeon is saying here, this is the glory of Israel, this is the one, and he says not only that, this is the one who's going to bring revelation to the Gentiles. This is the one who's going to open our minds our, our eyes to see who God really is and to see how much we need God and to see that our only hope for restoration to fellowship with God is in Jesus Christ. He's the one. He's the one that's going to give us revelation. He's the one that's going to give us understanding. He's the one that's going to let us know what really is the truth. And that's exciting And that's what we proclaim and that's the good news that we we love to declare and we love to declare in this season and we embrace that. But notice Simeon does not stop there. Notice how he continues on. And his father and mother... Marveled at what was said about him. I mean, just imagine that. You know, this, this crazy guy with the bad breath and the bald head and the bad hairdo comes in, lifts up your kid, and says, Hey, this kid, this kid's now for the salvation of Israel. I mean, that that's pretty astounding. You know, so it's it's not a surprise that Mary and Joseph they marvel at what Simeon's just said. And then what does Simeon do? He blesses them. That's really good. And it reminds us that Jesus is for a blessing. And the blessings of God flow through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But then notice where he goes on. Behold, this child is appointed. That means that God has given the child. God has done this. God has set this in motion. This child is appointed for the fall. Whoa, wait a second. Maybe he's talking about the autumn you know, in the United States, we call uh, these months the uh, fall. And here we call it the autumn. You know, maybe that, no, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about people falling, people stumbling. And Jesus is appointed so that there are going to be many people who are going to fall because of him. There are going to be many people who stumble over this reality Many people who do not walk in the fullness of the reality. Many people who are going to be offended by this Jesus. Now it starts to take on a different kind of idea. That this Jesus has been given by God for the fall and rising of many in Israel. Jesus is going to be the determining factor. Who goes up, who goes down. Jesus is the determining factor, and Jesus is going to take some and move them up who nobody thought should go up, and take some and move them down who nobody thought should go down. It reminds us that Jesus in himself is inherently offensive to people. There's no sense where everybody's going to look at Jesus and say, wow, Jesus is great, I really love Jesus, because those who are proud are going to fall over Jesus. Those who think they're something, who think they're right with God, are all of a sudden going to discover, no, they're not, they're wrong with God. And they need Jesus to get right with God. He's going to be for the fall, as well as the rising of many in Israel. Wow, okay, well, let's move on to the good news then. And a sign that is opposed. Why do we question why so many people turn away from Jesus? I mean, we always wonder about that. I, I I even wonder about that. All the time, the people who don't want to follow Jesus. You know, the latest uh, research has said that maybe as many as one in five people in the United Kingdom believe the church is a bad influence on society. Why does that surprise us? Because the Bible tells us that Jesus is going to be opposed. He is a sign, He is a promise of who God is, of what God is doing, of how to get in relationship with God, he is a sign that will be opposed. There are many people who not only will refuse to receive Jesus, but who will choose to oppose Jesus, even in his followers. And we need to remember that. We need to remember that even in this season. And then notice what he goes on to say. I mean, now this, you know, this, this old guy with the bad breath and the, the funny hairdo is getting a little intense, you know, because he goes on and he says to Mary, he says, hey, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also. Hey, mom, guess what? This boy of yours He's going to cause a sword to go right through your own mind, will, and emotion. Right through your own soul. Right through your own own being. It's going to tear you up inside. And isn't that exactly what happened? Not only when Jesus was crucified, but even before. Because remember, his mother and brothers came and said, Hey, Jesus, maybe you should come down a little bit. Maybe come back home a little bit. You're a little loony here. There was turmoil and tumult. And it's a reminder to us as well that if we follow Jesus, if we have our allegiance to Jesus, that even us who follow Jesus will have this sword that pierces our own soul. How many times have we had to turn down an opportunity because we wanted to follow Jesus or we weren't able to follow the desires of our flesh or we weren't able to do something that was popular in the world because we're followers of Jesus. That's this sword piercing our own soul, as so that that thoughts from many hearts might be revealed. God's purpose in this, God's purpose for the fall and the rise, God's purpose in establishing a sign that is opposed, God's purpose of even sometimes allowing this proverbial sword to pierce our own hearts, God's purpose in this is to expose what's inside. Many people have said, and it's really true, that God often offends the mind to expose the heart. And the thing about Jesus, even that Jesus little baby lying in a manger, certainly that little baby presented that day in the temple, when you encounter Jesus, you can guarantee not only that you'll have life if you surrender to Him and follow Him by grace through faith. But also you can guarantee that God is going to deal with you. That God is going to sometimes create tumult in your own heart, in your own mind, your own will, in order to expose what's there. Not so he can judge or condemn, but so that he can heal and forgive. And that is the consolation that comes. And that is the thing that we must remember, that even though there's turmoil, Tumult, and even though Christ is opposed so often, and even though sometimes it's not easy for us to follow, that God's purpose is not just to expose what's in us so he can condemn us, but actually God's purpose is to expose what's in us so he can heal us, so he can, through Jesus, give us that consolation. And that is the really good news that we have in this Christmas season. Father God, we love you, we worship you, We thank you. You are an amazing God and you do amazing things in us and we receive fully the promise of Jesus. We choose again to surrender ourselves to Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We choose again to follow you. We choose again to worship that baby lying in a manger. No matter what, no matter where you take us, no matter where you lead us, we love you and we praise you and we glorify you all in Jesus' name. Amen.